Thank you, Pastor Joe, for that introduction. It's great to be here with you and some new people too. Welcome this morning. Uh, this is a special place to be this morning. I believe God, by His Spirit, wants to do something special amongst us. I've always believed that no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws Him. And so if you're here today, I do believe God has a place in your life and that He's actually drawing you. We might think that it's about what we can sort of do for God that just matters. But more importantly, it's what He does through us that really makes the difference. And we were made for our relationship with God. We weren't made just to do good works. We were made to flow and that there be rivers of living water. We were made to thrive and not just survive. A couple of pictures I want to show you this morning about that. Maybe if you put up the two plants here. And so the question is, are you like the plant on your left or the plant on your right? Both identical plants one of them was well taken care of and, you know, fertilized. The other one was sort of ignored. Are you surviving, existing, or are you thriving today? The next slide again shows the, the two different kinds of plants. After 30 days, one was praised. I don't know if this is scientific or not, but I thought it was a good illustration. And one, the other one was bullied. Do you feel like the bullied plant? Or do you feel like the plant that's being built up and encouraged? Words make a difference in how you survive or how you thrive in your life. So you are meant to more than just survive. You are meant to thrive, to prosper, to glow, grow, and to flourish. It's not just to be shackled by anxiety, worry, and fear in our lives. Struggles have a way of putting a damper in our lives, making us feel we turn in circles. But at the very beginning of creation, God created Adam and Eve and placed them in the Garden of Eden, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, subdue, tend, keep the garden. Our gardens are prone to be invaded by weeds. How many of you hate weeds? Does anybody like weeds around here? I don't think so. But our lives are like gardens that must be tended to. And this morning, I congratulate you. You're here today because you want your garden to flourish and you're willing to pull out a few weeds from our lives. God, pull out the weeds and let our flower bloom for his glory. And so again, we have here that our relationship with God causes us to thrive. But when we're not in that flourishing relationship with God, we tend often to get bored. We tend to get discouraged. We tend to get bitter. We tend to get aggressive because inside there's a big turmoil and a battle going on. I think of my wife. She makes the most amazing pasta. She's Italian, of course. And, uh, you know, that picture you see there on your uh, right-hand side is the, you know, her amazing sausages and meatballs and spare ribs. I mean, it, it's mouth-watering. I don't want to get you too hungry before lunch. And then on the other side is my mother-in-law. She makes this white lasagna chicken soup with mozzarella and Romano cheese inside of it. I mean, we have it once a year, and I tell you, we don't want anything else. We just want to eat that special uh, uh, white lasagna chicken soup that she makes. 
Now the thing about that is I could try to make my wife's pasta or I could try to make my grandmother's uh, or my mother-in-law that is white chicken soup but I would not succeed because their recipe is a lot in their head it's not just on paper and when they make their recipe it's a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of you know and the extra ingredient a bit of love to it too if they're standing next to me and coaching me maybe I could succeed but their recipe transcends just writing it down. And the same thing be true too in our lives. When you think of a relationship with God, you can do things mechanically. You can do things to the best of your ability to try to do good works and be a good person, morally correct, kind and generous in all that you do. You can try to follow the recipe and do the commandments and all of that and all you'll have at the end of it is a bit of frustration because in the end you're trying in your strength and eventually you're going to run out. Eventually you're going to hit a wall because you need a relationship with God to flourish. It's the way God has created you that you be filled with the Spirit and a relationship with Him gives us a power we cannot find within ourselves. And the missing piece you have in your life this morning is Jesus in your life. And he has sent his spirit to fill a void that nothing in this world can ever fill. For you to realize that is the first step to thriving in a way you've never experienced before. We do things, you know, mechanically. I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you've been to church, you gave up on church, and now you're back here today and you're sort of giving it another try. Or maybe you're at a point in your life where you say, I'm getting kind of fed up with it all. I just want to stay home and forget about people. I don't mind going to heaven, but it's the people I can't stand. Well, you've got to find a way to overcome all of that. To keep your eyes upon him who loves you and wants you to love others with his love. And so I thought of this little illustration that I read about, about a husband sitting at a kitchen table reading the newspaper while his wife was preparing a ham for dinner. But she had this funny way of cooking her ham. She would cut off both ends of the ham and then stick it in the oven. And one day the husband said to the wife, why are you wasting this good ham and putting it in the oven? I mean, we could eat those pieces you cut off. She said, I don't really know, but that's the way my mother used to do it. And so I'm just following basically her way of teaching me. So they, they, they decided, let's phone the mother and find out why do you cut off this? Why is it part of the... So they phoned the mother and said, I really don't know. It's the way my mother used to do it. We used to cut off both ends of the ham. And so the grandmother was already passed away, but the, you know, the grandfather was still alive. And so they phone the grandfather and they say, Grandpa, we want to know why did you cut off both ends of the ham and put it in the oven? And the grandfather said, well, it's because the pan was too small and we had to fit it inside. You see, we do things by tradition. We do things because we've been told to do them. But it doesn't mean necessarily we have to do it that way. You know, like... God's word in our lives, coming to church, it can come a time where we do things because we just want to be kind. We just want to be generous. We, we're just nice people. But we've lost the passion. We've lost the excitement. We've lost the joy of serving God. 
And it's like we're cutting off both ends of the ham, doing things which we feel we have to do, but there's no more any power, there's no more any passion, there's no more any love. We don't feel God's presence. We feel like kind of burnt out, and we just want to just back off. You ever feel that way, that you were just sort of surviving, and you've lost the joy, the passion you had at the very beginning? Today can be a new day. If you'll just recognize that God's called you to thrive and not just do traditional church, but come to a place where you can have a relationship with God, which will create the recipe for you to flourish. Our text today is taken from John chapter 2, so let's read it together. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother said to Jesus, uh, mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Kids, don't try to do this with your mom. I mean, this was Jesus. Don't talk to your mom like this, but Jesus, you know, he was a little different, so I guess he could get away with it. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to do to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 to 30 gallons. It's about 75 to 115 liters apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. And Jesus said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out good wine, and when the guests were all drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This was the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him." In this story, we see Jesus with his disciples. He's not in a synagogue. He's not in a church. He's not at a prayer meeting. He's at a party. Think of it. Our Savior, who had three years to turn the world upside down, was saying, I've still got time to go to a party. A Jewish wedding, a celebration of dancing that often lasted seven days, You, my Savior, my Lord, and our God, had time to go to a party. Where do you think Jesus was at this party? Do you think he was standing off on the side somewhere, sort of looking with disgust upon those that were dancing and having fun and sort of thinking to himself, I can't believe these wretched sinners are in their reveling. They should be worshiping God right now. I don't think so. I think he was probably dancing with Peter and Bartholomew with. Surely when God became flesh, I think he had a bit of rhythm, and I think he probably could dance, probably. But again, we see notice here that Jesus didn't just come here to die. He danced, too. His focus was not that in just three years the cross was coming, and, uh, but he laughed, he rejoiced, and he enjoyed life. We need the joy of the Holy Spirit. Life is difficult enough Our happiness is robbed from us in the midst of our circumstances, which seems to make life very difficult. 
We need joy from a source that's independent of our circumstances. And that comes, that love, that joy, that peace. Amidst the storm, amidst the pain, amidst the grief, comes as a fruit of the Spirit. Would you like some of that this morning? Only a relationship with Jesus, with his Spirit working in us, can grant us that love, peace, patience, joy, hope, wisdom, which we need, which the world regularly seems to deprive us of, but that God can give us regardless of what you're going through. The miracle of the water changed into wine is really significant. It was the first one that he did. I mean, it's interesting that his first miracle was not healing of a blind eye, the deaf ear, the casting out of a demon, but it was turning water into wine. His first miracle was not in a synagogue, but it was in a social setting. And the power of the Holy Spirit is not just in the church, but it's in a theater, or it's in our surrounding world. The world often is like a desert, and we need more than good intentions to get by. And so Jesus reveals his power at this wedding, and it was his first miracle, and he's there dancing, having a good time. And amidst this party that took place, all of a sudden, his mother, from across the room, gives him that look. You know how a mother looks at her son sometimes. Beckoning him to come with her finger. Come here, son. I wonder if Jesus had some issues with his mother beckoning him with her finger. I mean, Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's 100% human and 100% divine. And there's his mother wiggling her finger at him. Is he saying to himself, doesn't she know who I am? I am the preeminent, the pre-existing, all-seeing, all-knowing, omnipotent, and all-powerful God. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. I am God, and beside me there is none other. Nobody voted me in, and nobody can vote me out. I am he who was, who is, and is to come. And I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am God, and you're wiggling your finger at me. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. Maybe his divinity was saying all of that. But as humanity knows, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Let's find out what she wants. There at this wedding's going on. People are dancing. They had planned for their guest. But it still was not enough. They still ran out. And they went through the guest list, and they knew who was coming, and they ordered the wine thinking it will be enough. But despite all human effort, they still ran out. They fell short. What a picture of the human predicament. With all our planning and beautiful services, in our own strength, one day you will run out. We don't have the capacity or aptitude. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, no matter how smart you are. Even if you have more degrees than a thermometer, in some area of your life, you will run out. They ran out with all their planning, 
And the funny thing is, they didn't even realize it. They were still dancing to not just survive, but thrive. I want to leave you with three things this morning that we can find from this first miracle of Jesus. There was the problem, there was the power, and there were the partners. So firstly, the problem. Life in the spirit starts when you discover the problem. Humanity's biggest problem is it doesn't realize that there even is a problem. Many times we come to God to fix things in our lives on a surface level. But when the Spirit comes into your life, He comes to do a deep work to deal with root issues. This party, I mean, Mary was the one who saw the problem. How do you perceive the problem? Do you see the problem from God's perspective, which is different than our perspective? A great illustration of this is when a paralytic was brought to Jesus by four friends and they made a hole in the roof, you remember, and lowered the paralytic in front of Jesus because the crowd kept them from approaching him. And it's like, you think your biggest issue is your legs, Jesus was saying to this man. He says to him, your sins are forgiven. Jesus, what are you doing saying your sins are forgiven? I mean, this guy's paralytic. Deal with his paralysis and not... What is this? And it's like, if I heal your legs, but I don't go deeper into the brokenness of inside of you, what good is it to you that you could be walking but not be healed from the brokenness inside? I've got to go deeper to the root issue because I want to heal you completely. And he talks to this man and says, your sins are forgiven. Then he heals them later. Could it be sometimes God is saying to you, I want to deal with a deeper issue, and you're looking at a surface answer from him saying, if you'll answer this, then I'll believe in you. And he's saying, my perspective is different than yours. I want to deal with your heart in a way that you're not perceiving. I want to open your eyes to something you can't see right now. Do you know what is your problem? Some say, I need more money. If only I had more resources. But maybe that's not your problem. Maybe your problem is insecurity or anxiety or materialism or inferiority. I don't know. What is your problem? Because you're trying to do, get, you know, resources are there, but you're saying, God, if you don't do this for me, then you don't love me. You see the predicament we put God in? He's trying to do a deeper work, and you question his love for you because you're basically saying, I'm going to give you the cold shoulder if you don't do exactly what I tell you to do. Don't you think he's got your back, that he loves you, and that his love for you is willing to address issues in your life? If only you'll see things from his perspective, which is a much bigger and a better future for your life. Until everything is caught up Everyone is caught up right now in dancing and the party. And Mary said, they're running out. There's not enough. Could it be the Holy Spirit, maybe this morning, is whispering into your life, pointing out areas where you're running out? Are you willing this morning to admit you've got a problem? Where it's not enough. 
Jesus says to Mary when she asks him, you know, we're running out of wine. She says, he says, woman. I mean, my, imagine talking to your mother like that. Woman. Boy, I tell you, I wouldn't get by quickly like that. Tell you, I would, uh, anyhow, I won't tell you what my mother would do to me, but uh, I wouldn't be uh, in a good position. Woman, what does this have to do with me? It's not my hour or time. Maybe Mary's thinking, why is he calling me woman? And then all of a sudden, he says to her, it's not my time. And maybe Mary's thinking, I'm not talking about time, I'm talking about wine. Mary could have said, Jesus, listen carefully. It was the responsibility of the groom to bring the wine to the wedding. If they ran out, it would have been the groom's fault. Maybe Jesus is here underlining the fact that he's like a groom also, and that Jesus will provide for his bride, the church, you and I, and the shedding of his blood will provide for our sins, so we might be fully transformed by his spirit at the wedding feast of the Lamb, and he invites us to do nothing will be lacking, and we'll never run out in this celebration. Wine, blood comes up in Jesus' ministry, the Last Supper, of course. And there seems to be a connection between wine and blood. And here he's providing so much wine that they'll never run out. And when Jesus sheds his blood, it, it's sufficient and there's nothing more to add. And it's, it'll meet every need no matter when we run out in our lives. Anyhow, that's just a side note I was thinking of. So a thriving life in the Spirit, firstly, to see a miracle from God, is when you perceive the problem. Can you perceive the problem this morning and admit it to God? Secondly, there's the power. Whenever you're running out, you've got to go to the power. Mary is seeking the power. She went to the right place. The wine ran out, but she didn't go to Costco to get some more. I mean, she went to the one who got the power, who's got the power. And Jesus didn't say, yes, mom, I'll do it. He said, it's not my time. Do you ever go to God and it seems that he gives you an answer different than you were expecting? You're asking for one thing and he sort of says, wait. Or he says, I got something else to do first in you before. And somehow he's working in the waiting and you're there saying, Lord, I have no patience. And God's saying, just be patient because what I'm doing in you is far deeper and more beneficial than just the answer you're seeking. Mary didn't get discouraged. And uh, she went to Jesus, and she didn't quit. She didn't get offended. When you're running on empty, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Stop running to other sources in your life and recognize that this need of the Holy Spirit is such that there are things in our lives we just cannot do in our own strength. It's not enough to see the problem. You need to run to Jesus and say, my life is running out. I can't do this marriage anymore. I can't raise these kids with you anymore, without you, Lord, anymore. I, I can't do this job with you. I, I, I just, I can't survive this sickness without you. I, I'm living on empty. I'm an emotional wreck. Lord, I'm coming to you for power. Because in my own strength, I've run out. 
Don't just see the problem. You've got to run to the power and run to Jesus. We're not here just to survive, but to thrive in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's not my time. It's not my hour. In other words, he's saying, leave me alone. Maybe he's saying that to see if you'll be perseverant. Maybe he's wondering if you're not going to give up. Sometimes he puts you in a place where he wants to know how much you really do desire that, whether your faith will get you through or if you'll just give up the first sign that you're not happy. She goes to the catering crew, and she does something very strange. She goes to the busboys and the waiters, and she says to them, do whatever he tells you to do. Mary sees the problem, and she goes to the power. Now we come to the third key to this miracle. Anytime God does something in the earth, he partners with humanity. Don't forget, this is Mary, and she understands that if you ever want to see God do a miracle in the earth, you can't just see the problem. You're not just seek the power. You must, you need to go to the partners. God partners with humanity. We say, God, I'm waiting on you, and maybe God is saying, I'm waiting on you. You're the one the world is waiting for because God will partner with you through the power of the Spirit in and through your life. A miracle will come forth. Who else but Mary would have known that you got to go to Jesus, but then you have to go to the partners. Miracles that God has for your life often are done through you, not just for you. She's saying, I know how this works. I understand this principle. I mean, when I was a young girl, one day an angel visited me and said, Mary, I know this sounds crazy, but you and Joseph are working on your plans to get married, but here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and you're going to give birth to the Son of the living God. Mary knew that whenever God is doing something in the earth, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and be in work, work through you. That's why she went from the, to the, to, from the powerful Savior to the partners or the servers. God is looking for servers today, willing to be ready to do whatever he says to do. Jesus didn't need this catering crew to do this miracle. I mean, he could have just gone over to the, the, the pitchers of water and just touched it and would have been done. But he allowed them the privilege of being part of the miracle The truth is, God wants to partner with you. It's your job to be the waiter. Note, it was the waiters at this party that got to participate in the miracle. You have something coming up in August to reach out this back-to-school distribution. I mean, you want to see a miracle in somebody's life, then you've got to show up to be able to be part of the miracle because God needs partners to achieve miracles. The waiters always get the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, they were waiting upon the Lord, and the Spirit of God came to them, but then flowed through them. You see, the reception of God's power is always in a goal of becoming something that will touch the world around you. It's never just for yourself. Do you know how it works? Do whatever he tells you to do, says Mary. For each of us, it's different. But we know how it happened. 
Jesus said, fill six stones of water jars used for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons, 7,515 liters. Fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. I brought my little illustration here this morning. Here's my little picture that I brought with me. And so you start with what you have. I mean, there's just water in this. Just water. I mean, it's a pitcher. I had to go and fill it up before I came here. And so we have the water and we have the cup. And so we find out here that uh, we have to do what we can do so God can do what he can do. When I found my daughter who had run away from home several years ago when she was a teenager after the death of her mother and she was very, very angry at God, I went and found her on the streets of Vancouver, not knowing where she was in the world. But God led me there to the corner where she actually was. That miracle wouldn't have happened unless I was willing to get up and to go and to do what I felt God was saying to me. What God says to you sometimes seems crazy. But when you will obey God, and the way you obey God is by obeying his word. Mary said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And so if you want to see a miracle, you've got to do what he tells you to do. And if you do what he tells you to do, you will participate in a way, maybe at times, that you feel it's just water. That's all I have right now. But to see the transformation from water into wine, it takes the water first, which you sort of pour, for the miracle eventually to take place. He told them, now draw some water out and take it to the master of the banquet. Can you imagine these guys going ahead and taking the pitcher, putting it in, you know, these stone jars and pulling out a pitcher full of water? And they're going along now with this, and they know it's water. It hasn't changed to wine yet. And I don't know when the water would change to wine. And they were walking along with their pitcher there, wondering, what am I doing? I must be crazy. I got a pitcher of water, and I'm supposed to be pouring this to the head of the master's banquet there, and, 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 and I'm going to get fired. I didn't sign up for this. Why am I doing this? It sounds crazy. So here they go with their pitcher. But it took faith. It took obedience. See, sometimes what God asks us is even more than faith or trust. He's saying, obey me. Nor does it take a lot of faith to fill up the pitcher. Where it does take faith is when you eventually start to pour it into the glass, into a, a life that's around you. That takes faith. You say, the word I'm giving to a person that encourages them, the prayer that I'm praying over somebody might seem so insignificant but it is a step of faith and obedience that causes that God will partner with you so that a miracle can take place in the person you're pouring out into. And so God changes the water into wine. I mean, 
Living a life of the Spirit means that uh, sometimes you have to walk across the room with pitchers of water, wondering that you haven't got much to give. And Lord, I'm trying to obey you. I'm trying to do whatever you tell me to do. And so somehow we keep walking. We keep walking according to God's word. We do what he tells us to do. And we give us some believers who have boldness and confidence, saying, Lord, the work you've begun, you will accomplish it. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. And so eventually they come over to this place now where the master is of the banquet and they poured into his water. Did it change when it was in here? I don't know. Maybe it wasn't clear. So he didn't know what was inside of it. And then he takes it, takes a sip. He said, that's the best wine I've ever had. Why did you save the best for the last when most people do the best at the beginning, and when you're drunk, you don't care anymore what it tastes like. I would say to you that God has something best for you for the last. I've always believed my best days are ahead of me. I've always believed that God was faithful, has done great things in the past, but the best is yet to come. God wants to do a miracle through you in your life. I mean, think of what happened here today. Maybe you need a water into wine miracle. This water that was changed into wine wasn't no small feat. I mean, an entire change in the molecular makeup of the water took place. It wasn't some food coloring that he added to it or some salt or something like that. The atomic structure of the liquid an entire change in the molecular makeup of the water, a feat that required a staggering amount of energy and indicated a mastery of natural law far beyond current comprehension. This is what he can do for your life, a God who does miracles today. We keep asking Jesus, oh, just change a little bit, a little piece here, a little piece there. But God is saying, when I change I change you in the inside. You're a new person in Christ. All things are passed away. Everything becomes new. It is a miracle of transformation. It's not just what you do, but it's who you're becoming in God's uh, economy. Uh, like water into wine, that would be one fantastic outcome. He says, I will do by the power working in you above and beyond anything you could imagine or hope for. If only you become the partner that I need to accomplish that miracle. To go from surviving to thriving in the spirit, you must go continually pour out what he pours in. You've got to be so full that you recognize that when God is going to do a miracle of changing water into wine through your life, that you are willing not just to recognize the problem, not only to go to the power, but to say, I'm going to become that partner. One last verse, and I'll ask musicians to come back right now. But I would like to just end by quoting this verse in John 7 and verse 37. 
Jesus stood and said with a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, there it is, there's the problem. Is anyone thirsty? If you're thirsty, it's because you need something. It, 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 you're thirsty, you recognize there's a problem. If anyone is thirsty, are you thirsty this morning for more than you have right now? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. There's, there's the power. Let him come to me. Not just put, put on you know, a brave face or, or start, a, start a new, do some good works. Let him come to me. The recipe for success is based on the thriving of a relationship. Come to me. And so we have here, and drink. You've got to drink. You drink and it says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will flow out from him. That's becoming a partner. So here's the process. I come to him because I'm thirsty. I recognize the problem. I then come to him. He is the power. And then after that, I drink and rivers of living water need to flow out from me to someone around me. And there is the partnership that we have with God. Then you qualify, then you understand, then you have the prerequisite for a miracle of water into wine, miracle in your life, or in the life of someone God is sending you to. This is something we can understand and live out practically in our lives. And I encourage you to do so as the days go forward and your life moves on knowing that your life has a purpose beyond just the material things. God has a power to work through your life that will bring you to thriving in a way that will make you thank Him for all that He's done. The best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together, please, if we will, and we're going to end in prayer and then sing a special song. Lord God, I want you today, if you're here and you're saying, I, I need a water-to-wine miracle in my life, you, maybe you're here you say, Lord, I, I recognize my problem today. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's your future. Maybe even it's your place in the church where you're being hurt and you're sort of shy now of getting involved and you're saying, ah, oh, but God can heal you on the inside. That's the glory of God when God can reestablish us, heal us, give us new passion. It's not based on what people do to us or say. It's based on our love for Him and His Spirit in us. And what comes in, then we can give. You can't give what you haven't received. So receive it today. And say, Lord, you're the power. And Lord, I commit to being the partner. Would you just lift your hands with me and say, Lord, I want a miracle for your glory. Lord, we thank you today amidst all our circumstances where we're just trying to survive. We thank you, Lord, you've called us something more than that, something greater than just getting by. Existing is not just what we're called to. We are called to multiply, to thrive, to bring forth much fruit, and our fruit remains. Accomplish it in our lives today. Use us, Lord, as we come to you. 
not only, Lord, do we pray for the problem to be resolved, but we pray the greater work of your Spirit in our hearts and our character and our lives would be to your glory, Lord, that maybe there's a hidden treasure of miracles that we don't even recognize you're wanting to do. We're open. We're ready. We say, come, Lord. We're drinking. Let the river of your Spirit flow through us, we pray, to a hurting and a broken world. In Jesus' name we pray. And someone say amen today. Amen, Lord, to that. Say yes, Lord. That's what I want in my life, I pray. In Jesus' name and for your glory we ask it. Amen and amen. said that there be light to a dark and hopeless world your light and you spread out your arms over empty hearts and said that there be light to a dark and hopeless world your son Yeah. 
majestic your whispers what a wonderful God oh we thank you Lord for your word this morning help us Father to depend on you in a, in a greater way to, to perceive that problem and to seek your power and to partner with you oh God you want to work through ordinary people and do extraordinary things through your spirit may it be so in our lives not only today but tomorrow and through the days ahead and the weeks ahead may we see you do amazing things in our lives when we go back and survey it we would we would say only by god could this have been possible lord help us to anticipate and to see those moments come to pass in our lives in jesus name we pray and everyone said Amen. God bless you this morning. Before you leave, please say hello to Pastor Ron. And uh, if you have any questions about Bible college courses, you can visit with him as well. Have some coffee and tea on your way out. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday, everyone.